0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The Property Show on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. i and this is The Property Show. Intensive urban spaces have been encroaching on green spaces in Malaysia and the public have taken notice and we have seen notable efforts to save these precious spots. One prominent example is the seven-year successful legal battle of TDDI residents in quashing a development order by DBKL. But the question is, what can residents do to stop green spaces from turning into concrete And are we powerless in the battle against those with deep pockets and connected to government? For some answers, we turn to Alif Benjamin Suhaimi Partners at Messrs Thomas and Philip. He was the lead solicitor for the legal team representing the TDDI residents in quashing a development order in the Taman Rimba Kiara recreational park case. Good morning, Alif. Thanks so much for joining us. I mean, let's start at the very beginning. From a legal standpoint, what is the legislation that protects all public parks or green spaces or even forests from development.
1: Good morning, Xiaoning. Thanks for having me. Um, since we're talking about uh, a development or upcoming developments that may encroach into parks, um, the two relevant legislation that we are looking at is the Federal Territory Planning Act, which is governing KL, developments in KL, and the Town and Country Planning Act, which governs uh, other parts in Malaysia apart from KL.
0: Right. Uh, okay, but uh, are these like have to be very followed by the but by, by the local councils? Because in Malaysia, isn't this complicated by the fact that land is often a state matter? Yeah.
1: yeah. So when it comes to development, any application for a development order or planning permission, it would have to go to the local council. And local council would then have to consider all relevant matters expedient to proper planning mm. in coming into addition, whether to approve, reject, or attach conditions to any such application. And these are where um, conditions such as the provisions of the structure plan, the local plan, would have to be taken into account and other considerations that may be relevant for the purpose of proper planning. And the term proper planning is something that was emphasised in the Tama Rimba Rimba Kiara judgments by the Federal Court.
0: Okay, we'll come back to the KL Structure Plan in a minute because I think that's quite controversial. But when a development plan has been initiated on a public green space, how would... Residents typically find out. And um, legally, are local authorities are supposed to put up a notice? Because we've had stories of residents waking up in the morning and finding bulldozers next yeah. to them, right? Yeah. Without knowing what's happening. That's right.
1: So, under the law, under the Act, um, a developer. Uh, I also, a local council, is required to put up a public notice board to say that they have received an application uh, for this development and then also they would also issue out notices to uh, affected landowners, adjoining landowners, giving them the right to uh, raise any objections to the proposed development, if any. So that is the requirement under the law. So there shouldn't be a situation where you wake up and then suddenly the, the, there's a bulldozer or piling going on next to your land or next to the park. Or so
0: suddenly it's boarded up.
1: Exactly, exactly. So there should be this step first and then they would also have to advertise in the newspaper as to when parties can actually uh, raise objections or there should be a public hearing session, either a hearing or to write in.
0: Okay, to so the local council. let's talk about this process yeah. um you s- assuming that the local council has abided by the rules and put up a notice, how much time do you have? what do you who do you write into? Is it will it be will your letter be ignored? right, or can it be ignored?
1: Well, what the local council do is 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 something that no one can speculate. But of course, um, legally speaking, uh, all objections are to be written into the local council or to be raised to the local council, and um, by law they should uh, take into account those objections, and then uh, consider those objections before making that final decision. And and this again, this could be to approve. Uh, reject or to attach conditions or ask the developer to amend mm. um, their application to take into account some of these objections.
0: Okay, so there is a consult- consultative process, right, that That's right. the local city councils need to honour. That's right. Okay, um, is it mandatory though? I mean, have there been some famous cases where it was completely ignored and it was too late?
1: No. Most of the cases that I've been involved in or at least that, that I know about, uh, this process uh, have been complied with either partially or fully. So, what usually happens is that um, the residents uh, would then have no knowledge about what happened to their objections. Mm. So, suddenly, everything went quiet and then
0: the bulldozer's three months, there. six months
1: later, oh, the DO is approved. So, now, um, in Tamarimba Kera case, they were actually not notified at all about the issuance of the development order. So what actually happened was that um, some of the park users saw sur- contractors doing surveys on the park one fine day. And then um, and then we then started the, the, the legal drafting. Mm-hmm. And then I think one or two days before we filed it, uh, we got a parliamentary written reply from the Federal Territory Prime Minister uh, federal Territory minister back then to say that he has already been issued and the residents were kept in the dark. Despa- despite raising all these issues, despite letters issued by us as a firm to the BKL, three letters not responded to.
0: So, it does happen. It can happen. And against this backdrop, of course, is we, we do um, plan things according to some formal document, right? Yeah. So, I think in the case of Kuala Lumpur, let's use the KL structure plan, the first, first issuance of it, right? Because uh, there's another one coming up in 2020. Yeah. Wasn't Rimba Kiara supposed to be a green space?
1: Yes, that, that is one of the basis that the residents objected to. Um, Taman Rimba Kiara, at least that parcel of land mm. has always been identified, marked as a green area, a public open space,
0: a park Okay. in the structure plan. So what happens, okay, let's say we, R- Rimba Kiara is a rather unique circumstance. Let's yeah. say it's a smaller green space, something yeah. not as famous as Rimba Kiara, not as utilised by so many members of the public and before you know it you know you, you stay next to this small green space and development has started what 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 rights do you have though and it might not be in the kl structure plan that this yeah. is defined as a green space do you as a resident then have rights to say no no i do not want development like mm. this
1: right okay so Ideally, if it's in the local plan or the structure plan that this piece of land is stated to be or slated to be mm. a public park or a park, not not meant for development at all, then of course you rights it's clearer. are better. It's clearer. But if that is not the situation, then what can happen is that um, as residents, in the event the matter is to be brought to court, you have to show that that decision by the local authority to grant approval on this plot of land is unreasonable, illegal or has failed to follow the process. And when it comes to illegal or unreasonable, it can be many factors. It could be issue of of safety. It could be issue of it could cause property damage Mm -hmm. uh, to the surrounding neighbours. It could Perhaps could be uh, increasing risk of flooding, uh, landslide. But these are things that, of course, if any residents were to take up, it should be also supplemented with good um, evidence or, or, or some expert report.
0: Okay, so like 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 in the case of a landslide, a quantity surveyor, for example, yeah. saying that you know it's dangerous for there to be any development on this hilltop, That's right. but. Related to this is how do then, you know, does it matter how many residents object? So let's say I'm in a taman, Mm. okay, and I've got like 30 neighbours and we want to object to this green space. Do all 30 neighbours have to sign a petition or sign a letter saying I object or can it just be driven by one brave individual? It can
1: be driven by just one. Um, Ideally, of course, uh, everyone working together is the best because if only one is is really fighting it and Mm. the rest are nonchalant about it. So you just give the local authority and avenue to say that. See, Yang Arif, only one person, he's a busybody, destroying everything. But no one, his other neighbours are okay with it. So um, it, it doesn't give a good, a good reflection of the whole PR vibe. Mm. But there's nothing wrong, uh, legally speaking, for only one person to object.
0: Okay. Yeah. After that process of objection, typically how long does it take? Because RIMBA care is seven years, we know. Yeah. But does it take a very long time for the residents to actually come to some conclusion on the case? Or, you know, what's what's the bureaucracy like? Right. You
1: mean in terms of, of, of at the conclusion of the legal suit? Or, or maybe at
0: the very beginning. You when know, you decide to then When you comments? decide, yeah.
1: yeah. So ideally, when the residents find out that mm. a decision has been made, to allow or approve the application, residents have ninety days to then file okay. the suit in court. A judicial review you have a ninety days timeline from when you found out about the decision that you want to challenge.
0: And how soon must the local council, I re, uh, mean, reply?
1: They once once you file it, then there's this two-step process in court. First, you need to get leave leave of court to commence judicial review so that is the process provided under the law so in this stage the local council itself is not involved it's an ex parte uh, process Mm. where the court will only want to hear from the applicant And the Aegis Chambers. So, the Aegis Chambers are there just to ensure that these people are not mere busy bodies. More often than not, they don't object.
0: Okay, so that they have a real case. That's right. Okay, then after that, what happens?
1: So, once leave is granted, then uh, you then have to serve the documents on the proper respondent, either like the local authority or the mm. developer, etc. So when that happens, then there'll be case management, the court will give directions as to when you have to file your affidavits, when you have to file exchange affidavits, exchange submissions, all in all, six months, nine months okay. for the first stage.
0: Alif, this just sounds like a rather painful process to go through if you're an yes. ordinary resident, right? I mean, firstly, there's the legal minefield to navigate, which That's of right. course is not easy to understand. Yeah. It sounds like lawyers are going to be involved, so there's a part, there's an element of cost, yeah. and of course, time. The shouldn't the process be be simplified for residents who are not happy about what's going to be built next door to them? After all, very often the property we buy is the is our biggest purchase that we make in our entire lives.
1: Yeah. Well. Ideally, yes. But unfortunately, that's what the law provides. Uh, If you want to challenge the decision of a local authority, this is the only avenue that you have. Now? Now. Apart from, you know, having years of certain MPs or ministers that you can push. But apart from that, legally speaking, a judicial review is the only avenue that residents have to challenge such decisions to allow development.
0: So it sounds like maybe it's time for a change in the overall legislation so that residents have a bigger say?
1: Perhaps, but you also have to understand that there has a, a balance has to be reached. Number one about the local authority um, being able to do their job. Yes. Right, uh, including I mean, of course, they also serve the developers and 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 other stakeholders apart from just the residents. And then you also have this process and making the process easier is good from the resident standpoint, but it could also increase the possibility of floodgates of people raising irrelevant complaints. You do have, sometimes we have that neighbour that could never stop complaining about <laughs> each and every single thing. Why is the light not working? Why is the bone gate very slow? Why is the guard sleeping? And uh, So you may have all this, all this kind of people. So I guess that's, the process is made in this manner is to have some sort of filter to avoid this kind of, um, I guess, mischievous uh, residents. <laughs>
0: okay, which all which sometimes do good. Um, on the property show this morning is Aleph Benjamin Suhami, partner at Mrs Thomas Philip. Now, after the break, we discuss lessons to be learned from the seven-year legal saga involving Taman Rimba Kera BFM eighty-nine point nine. BFM 89.9, you're tuned into the property show and I'm Wong Xiaoning. Ning. Today joining us for conversations on what residents can do to protect public green spaces is Aleph Benjamin Suhaimi, partner at Messrs Thomas and Philip. Now let's talk about Taman Rimba Kiara specifically. Now A judicial review was filed to quash the development order. Okay, so a little bit of a 101 for us who aren't lawyers. What is the difference between that and a normal court case? I mean, how does it differ?
1: Okay, Um, a judicial review is specific in the sense that when you want to challenge the decision of a public authority, or a government, or a minister, you have to do it by way of a judicial review application because you have the separation of powers. Mm -hmm. So you have the executive and the judiciary. So by way of a judicial review, the courts exercise a supervisory jurisdiction. So they look into the decision-making process of the local authority. They don't look into the the correctness or the merits of it, but they look more into whether the decision-making process was properly adhered to. So that is one difference with a judicial review application. So example, um, if you want to challenge or if you want to sue, uh, uh, example the BKL for cutting a tree that landed on your car, mm. so that's more of a negligence suit. And that can go by a normal lawsuit. But in terms of challenging the decision-making process, i.e., Issuance of a development order that has to be done by way of judicial review.
0: Okay. Um, and we know that <coughs> Rimba Kiara was, well, seven years and it went all the way to yeah. federal court. DBKL, I think, spent more than a million ringgit on, uh, which by the way is public funds, yep. on legal costs.
1: As, as, as that's what I think that was at, as at the fat, uh, Court of Appeal. <laughs> I'm sure. To our m- knowledge. I'm <laughs>
0: sure it's more than that by yeah. the time it gets to federal court, right? Uh, tell us what is the significance of the decision at the federal court. What are the key takeaways for us as re- residents of Kuala Lumpur? Right.
1: One of the most important uh, elements of that decision was that the, the federal court emphasised on the public participation process that is uh, provided in the Federal Territory Planning Act. So, when the court says that yes, the mayor you have a discretion i.e to uh, to look into the structure plan and 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 make a decision whether you should follow it or not but mm. you must have good reasons so previously what DBKL uh, has done was that rely on that one provision and say that they're entitled to 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 not follow the structure plan to do as they wish, to in do a as way, they wish up to
0: a certain Correct. level. Because of course. because they took
1: the position that the structure plan is uh, a mere policies to guide development. It doesn't bound, it doesn't bind them. Mm. Uh, they don't have to follow it, and they are free to depart from it because how that particular section twenty two was worded. But the federal court said no, you can't do that. So you cannot look at it in vacuo you must look at the whole purpose of the Act. And the whole purpose of the Act is to ensure the decisions of the local authority is made for the proper planning purpose of the city. So the court said, you look at how the structure plan is prepared, how these development plans, which are gazetted, by the way, are prepared. They go through several stages of of public hearings, objection hearings. You need to present it to the public. So there is a proper democratic process. Mm. So you cannot just ignore it when it comes to approving or allowing development. So, in this situation, we have Tamaran which has always been uh, 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 slated as open space, public park, green area under the structure plan. Mm. So, now we have this development order which allows mixed development on it. So, the... the, the in conflict. In conflict. Yeah. It's clearly in conflict. So, the federal court said... And apart from that, the issuance of the title to Yayasan also was in conflict because now the condition was bangunan and it's slated for mixed development in the title document itself for that park uh, for that piece of land. So the federal court said there is a clear conflict. There's a clear departure from the structure plan. Okay. So when you when there is a departure from the structure plan. Ideally, the local authority must go through the process to amend the structure plan. Mm. I.e., you need to go through the whole public consultation process again to say that okay, we're amending it, we're altering this part. That was never done.
0: Okay. I understand another important aspect of the Rimba Kiara case was the right of residents to information.
1: Yeah. So okay again, specific to this case. So yeah, what, what happened what happened was that um, like what I said earlier uh, the residents were kept in the dark after the public after the objection hearing process several letters were issued uh, they were kept in the dark and then suddenly by way of a written parliamentary reply they found out that the deal was was granted and we then filed the judiciary reapplication and subsequently there was a letter uh, I don't know it was put into the the mailboxes of the condo to say that we have considered and this is what we're going to do moving forward and the deal was granted so they have this letter belatedly issued to say that the deal will be granted mm. and only address one element of the complaint, which is the traffic part. Nothing else was said. So the court then said that, no, there is a duty for you to give your reasons. So when you make a decision on why you departed from this gazetted development plan, mm. all right, and and, and and from your correspondence between the developer and also the BKL, there was no mention. There was no reference to this provisional structure plan at all. But then suddenly you departed, despite knowing that this was one of the main issues raised in the objections by the residents. So, why you depart from this gazetted plan is something that must be explained. You must tell the residents why has there been a departure. So, you
0: need to explain your rationale. There you cannot be silence.
1: Correct. Okay. All right, you need to explain because again, you have to look at the holistic purpose of the act for proper planning. Proper planning requires a holistic approach for the residents, the public and also the developer. So because of that, you must give your reasons. If you don't give your reasons, how would then the residents know whether they have a good case to go to court or not?
0: Well, sometimes, you know, some people think they know best. Yes. So that's why they don't <laughs> give you proper reasons. Uh, but, you know, this brings to to me the importance of the KL Structure Plan and we are heading towards the new one, KL Structure Plan 2020. Uh, lots of debate on this current I do believe uh, The gazettement Has been postponed Uh, The Prime Minister Has agreed to that It has been postponed To the end of May In the meantime Public hearings are happening So that all stakeholders Can be engaged Aleph Why is it so important That we need to actually Look at the details Of this KL Structure Plan You know does Does this RIMBA Kiara Put our KL Structure Plan On another level Yes
1: Yes definitely So By way of this decision in the federal court, what the court said was this. Number one, this structure plan is a legal document. It Mm. is legally binding and it requires lavish compliance by the local authority. It sets for the residents, for the public, it sets out how development is to be carried out or how um, certain parts of of the area surrounding your, your resident is to be carried out moving forward. So, you know what to expect. When you buy a property, you You buy...
0: You know what's next
1: door. Correct. You know what's next door. You know what could be coming in the next 10, 15 years. Mm. And and you hope... uh, by 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 every possible way that the local authority would respect it and follow, and that's why uh, the court said it is important. It gives uh, it gives public representation. It gives representation to the public of a gazetted piece of document that this piece of this area of KL would be catered towards this purpose or that purpose and and that becomes an important factor when when someone purchases a property
0: okay Uh, related to this of course is the power of the mayor right I think the courts have basically said he still has far-reaching powers Uh, Would this change, and maybe this is a bit more of a political question, would this change if we had local council elections and, you know, election for the mayor, then uh, would he be more accountable to us? Is that uh, the right political solution to some of the development woes that KL faces?
1: I would say so, because look at Tamarima Kiara. You have all these landmark findings Mm. made by the federal court. But do we know who's actually who's the person behind it? Do we know who is the one to be to actually to be blamed for all this conflict and all that? We don't. Mm. So having local government elections would, would would ensure some sense of accountability or responsibility Improve governance and improve governance as well. So you are then responsible to the people that vote you in, right? Mm. So as compared to just. I will be here, I'm chosen by the, so I'm chosen by this authority or that higher body. Um, I can't be fired. I can do whatever I want for the next for, during my tenure. So it doesn't matter what the residents say. So local government actually will be the way forward to eliminate all this problem. Or at least one way.
0: Okay, but is legislation changes, I mean, are they going to be complicated to allow for this process where we get a local council elections and and an appointment of mayor?
1: I don't think it'll be that complicated. So if there is is a great political will from everyone that we will move towards local council elections, Mm. so the, the parts that would have to be amended in the Act is just on the appointment of the mayor appointment or the, the councillors of the mayor. So I don't think it, it requires huge change uh, in, in, in terms of amending legislation. Um, but then again, the, the parliamentary draftsmen may have a different answer to be.
0: The other thing I would like to, um, well, one more thing to consider for me is the fact that if you look at local councils, right, or even state governments, so much of their revenue is driven by property, right, and the granting of development orders because they get a certain sum for it. Uh, In the case of DBKL, for sure, so much of what we enjoy as residents of KL is funded by developers in one way or another. So, to me, that already smacks of some form of conflict, right? Is there a better way forward so that DBKL represents the interests of the residents versus, let's say, the developers? Is there ever going to be a balance so that we can protect our public spaces or actually have a much more livable city where you don't get the sense that it's overbuilt?
1: Um, That's always the tricky question because ultimately you can't separate... Development or, or development applications from the local council, and that is their main source of income. I think even with any state government, development would be their main source of income. Um, can you separate it? I'm not entirely sure um, because, then you then have the issue of who would then approve? Because you have this holistic approach that the federal court has emphasised for the Federal Territory Planning Act. That yes, you are you you are entitled. You're empowered to do this. You just have to ensure proper planning. You just Mm. have to ensure that all the relevant considerations are met. So my view at this stage is as long as the local authority performs their powers according to the law properly based on relevant consideration, it should be fine. Uh, because I don't see a way forward how you can actually separate it. Because then you may avoid that conflict issue, but then again who is gonna oversee this other body who's supposed to approve the developments and look oversee the project? Then you may have another ministry, then you have another issue of conflict. Then who do you then sue? Right? You have that that that, that possible future complication.
0: Okay, on that note, thank you for your time on The Property Show. Today was Alif Benjamin Suami, so partner at Messrs. Thomas and Philip. Uh, coming up next, we have the 10am News Bulletin followed by Enterprise. Stay tuned for that, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.